tonight. Psalm 92 says, It is good to praise the Lord and to make music to your name, O Most High. Isn't that what we've just done? Proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-stringed lyre and the melody of the harp. For you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord. How profound are your thoughts. Would you join your hearts with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, this evening we do come to you with praise and thankfulness on our lips. And we agree with the psalmist when he says, for you make me glad by your deeds, Lord. I sing for joy at what your hands have done. How great are your works, Lord. The psalmist talks of proclaiming your faithfulness at night. And you, Lord, are faithful. You're faithful to your promises. Your words are eternal and they do not change. In your great love, you've reminded or you've remained faithful from the very beginning. You've shown yourself faithful all throughout Scripture. Thank you for being faithful in the details of our individual lives, too. Lord, forgive us for all those times we've doubted you and at times taken things into our own hands and not trusted you with our situations. We know you love us and you want the best for us. Your love for us is immeasurable and it's unconditional and for that we praise your great name. As we gather tonight as a church family to talk about changes and transitions, Lord, it's with thanksgiving and it's with gratefulness to you that we think of changes and transitions of the past. Lord, we've just celebrated 50 years of ministry here and we've reflected on the ways that you have met our needs. Looking back over those years, we can clearly see your provision. We've seen your provision of pastors and ministry leaders. We've seen your provision of land. We've seen your provision of buildings and finances. Over and over, we've seen you bring just the right pastors and leaders to us at just the right time. Never was there a time when we could not see you supplying and meeting the needs of this, your church. And I pray that as we again, in our history, come to a time of change and transition, that you'd keep us as a church family focused on the mission to be and to see people who follow Jesus, to be changed by Jesus and to be committed to the mission of Jesus. Lord, help us not to become distracted with secondary issues. Help us together to continue to joyfully serve you, Lord, believing deeply that you, our God, who has been faithful to provide in the past, will be faithful to provide again. I pray that the days ahead will be days where we can come together to call out to you and where we as a people will wait on you, Lord. So, Lord, we commit this meeting to you. We ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance in all that is said and done tonight. I pray that our discussion this evening would be glorifying to you and that it would be uplifting and encouraging to each of us and that we would joyfully look to the future together. And I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. I, uh...
I'm so thrilled uh, that you all decided to come tonight, and uh, I think it's safe to say we have quorum. Um, I mean, it's not a business meeting, but uh, Kurt would be proud. Kurt is uh, in Mexico right now. I talked to him earlier this week, and uh, I told him about the meeting. How's the meeting going to go? And um, he'd be he'd be happy. We're not. Uh, we don't have any scrutineers. No one's doing any counting, but. Uh, I know downstairs we had 350 chairs set up and there was a lot more still coming in, so this is, this is fantastic. I'm going to try my PowerPoint. I've got this clicker. I don't know if it's going to reach. Um, no. Okay. So I'll just give you the thumbs up. Okay. So, so tonight, this is kind of what we had in mind um, for the agenda for tonight. Um, Pastor John uh, is going to share um, how the Lord's been leading him and how he came to the decision uh, that he did. Um, and then the elders are going to share um, what's on our heart uh, with all the transitions and uh, changes. Um, I've asked Dorette James to, to share. Dorette has experience. She was on the last search committee that called Pastor John as our lead pastor and also the uh, search committee that called Pastor Derek uh, before him. Uh, so Durette is going to share uh, her, uh, the story from previous pastoral searches. Uh, and then the question and answer uh, time. Um, what I had in mind, I don't know if we're going to be able to keep to this, but I kind of had in mind that the, that first section would maybe be about an hour. I wanted to kind of uh, keep it to an hour. We could, uh, the, the question and answer time, is, is the big variable in my mind. Um, and, but I do want to spend a uh, dedicated time in prayer. And I was, I was hoping for you know, half an hour at least where we could just huddle and uh, we've got a number of prayer uh, items that we need to be concentrating on. Um, so because this isn't a business meeting, um, it's not as structured, but there still has to be some structure to a meeting. Uh, so... Um, I will, I will chair the meeting, uh, and especially the question and answer uh, time, um, if you could direct your questions up here. We don't want any side conversations happening. Uh, if all the questions can be directed to the chair, um, there will be microphones, and I think for everybody's benefit, um, if you have a question, we can't yell, um, and uh, we'd just like you to, uh, to kind of put your hand up and the microphone will find its way to you. I don't know who's doing that. I'm assuming that that's set up. So, oh, we got, there we go. Okay, great. Um, yeah, so I think what we'll start with is uh, I'll ask Pastor John to come forward. He will, uh, he will share, and uh, then the elders will, uh, will share. Thank you, Rob. With Rob and the elders, uh, I want to thank you for coming this evening. Your presence here tonight is certainly a strong indicator of your concern and commitment to West Highland's future and its flourishing as a gospel-centered and gospel-preaching church. The decision to retire from full-time ministry and step down from the lead pastor position is one that Andrea and I began discussing uh, way before COVID came in 2020, three years ago. In June of 2021, I celebrated my 65th birthday, 
And prior to this, I had already shared with the elders that Andrea and I were praying about how long we should continue in full-time ministry here and when would be a good time to step down as West Highlands lead pastor. At that time, I shared that I could envision going at least to my 67th birthday and possibly a little bit past that. And the elders were comfortable with that and I am grateful for their express support that they desired that I would stay even longer. Since June of 2021, we continued to pray and I continued to struggle to waffle back and forth about when this should happen. In early November, when Lee informed me that the Lord was leading him and Cheryl to leave West Highland and join the pastoral team at Emmanuel Baptist in Barrie, the Lord brought clarity to my thinking. Lee's decision made my decision easier, and it clarified a time frame in which this should happen. While I, like you, wished that Lee had stayed, I am thankful that providentially, his actions served as a necessary catalyst for me. Now, since Lee has resigned, there have been lots of Sundays when people have come to me and asked me questions like, when are we going to replace Lee? Do you have any leads on someone to fill the worship ministry's position? What's the plan moving forward now? Have you begun searching yet? And questions similar to that. It is very important that you, the church family, understand that the primary responsibility of filling the position of worship pastor at West Highland, or for that mass matter, any other pastoral position, rests with the lead pastor of the church. For me, to lead this task at this point in time is unworkable. I say this because any pastor who will become an associate pastor to the lead pastor will not come to a church if he knows that the lead pastor will soon be stepping down. There must be a new lead pastor in place in order to rebuild a ministry team. And that team must be the lead pastor's team. The church cannot call other associate pastors until it is first called a new lead pastor. And this is the reason why I believe it is necessary for me to step down in June of this year. In the 15 plus years that I've been here, I believe my ministry has been marked by gospel centeredness. That has been my goal. I've endeavored in my preaching, my teaching, and my leadership to call the church to the centrality of the gospel of Christ in all that we do. Now, there have been many preaching series, as you know, during my time here, and the ones that I think have been the most beneficial to the church are the expositions from the Old Testament, the gospel according to Gen Genesis. It only took me three years to do that. The gospel according to Exodus, living the gospel in an antagonistic age from the book of Daniel. For some time now, and I say this in all seriousness, I have wanted to preach a series from the prophet Isaiah, the gospel according to Isaiah. But as you know, Isaiah has 66 long chapters. So to preach Isaiah would mean that I would have job security for the next five years. So that is why I chose for my final series here at West Highland, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. 
And a number of you have commented that in just the first two Sundays in 1 Corinthians that you picked up a hint or two of what I announced to you last Sunday morning. That was intentional. I believe that 1 Corinthians is a fitting way for me to add a finishing capstone to what God called me here to do 15 years ago. In addition to preaching the Word of God here at West Highland, I know I was also called here to develop and implement a ministry plan which we called Vision 2020, a vision for ministry that took our church from 2009 to the year 2020. With the help of the elders, that plan was fine-tuned and implemented over time, and it resulted in numerous changes here in the church. The creation of a board of elders, the redefining of the role of deacons in the establishment of the deacons council, the rewriting of our doctrinal statement, making it more theologically robust and addressing the theological realities that we live with today in a postmodern and multi-religious setting. Establishing Trek as an adult Bible teaching and ministry training program in the church. Adopting small groups as the primary ministry, ministry to foster community and spiritual growth throughout the church. Expanding the church's staff and ministry team. Expanding our facilities here to provide for growth and to house growing church ministries. And interestingly, you may not know this, Vision 2020 also mentioned that by the year 2020, the church would need to begin planning for a new lead pastor. So in reality, even in 2009, I was thinking about getting out of here. <laughs> well, we have now arrived at this point. And a new vision, which we have called GC 2030, Great Commission 2030, with a strong emphasis on disciple making and built on the foundation of Vision 2020 is both developing and it is underway. And I am not the one to lead West Highland into the future with that vision. But I am grateful for the years I've been able to serve here, for your fellowship in the gospel, and for the support of our elders for these past 15 plus years, and their encouragement to continue preaching here until June of this year. I know many are wondering what comes next for Andrea and I. Well, there is at this time no plan. There will be a modification of my responsibilities here until the end of June, which Rob will share with you a little bit later. After that, there is no ministry awaiting us in another place, nor are we intentionally seeking for anything like that. We remain open to how God might lead us in the future. From the end of June of this year until November and December, we have a number of things planned, so we will be absent from West Highland during that time. But after that, we anticipate that we will remain as members of West Highland until God moves us on. Thank you very much. So, so the slide you're looking at right now is actually the, uh, the role. Pastor John is the lead pastor and interim ministry team, or not interim, in the ministry team leader. So Pastor John, um, he preaches on Sunday and he leads the ministry team. Um, his, uh, his job function to provide oversight and leadership to all ministry team members and ministries at West Highland Baptist Church 
so that West Highland grows into maturity and fulfills its disciple-making vision. Um, there's really three uh, bullet points uh, for what Pastor John, when we kind of look at his job description, the preaching responsibilities, the leadership responsibilities, and the pastoral responsibilities. Um, so when we were talking with Pastor John about this transition and him leaving, um, I, I tried to convince him to stay, and, and, and he wouldn't. And he talked about uh, leaving you know, as early as, as March, and I said, can, can we extend this? And, and then we landed on June. Um, but we, um, we thought maybe if we, we kind of separate these, uh, these duties, we want stability during this time. We don't know how long uh, pastoral search committee is gonna take. I don't think anyone knows, the Lord knows. The Lord has someone in mind already. Um, but we thought we're gonna need stability, so we needed an interim um, leader for the ministry team. And we talked Pastor John into staying till June. Maybe get the next slide. So during the transition period, uh, Pastor John will retain the title and role of lead pastor. He will continue on with his series in 1 Corinthians. And we have him till uh, June. I don't know which Sunday in June. I don't know if that's been determined yet. Um, but Pastor Jamie Strickland uh, will be the interim ministry team leader for that transition time. And we've, we've got the plan until June. We've got sort of a framework of a plan beyond June, but we haven't really, um, the plan actually has to be executed. We have to start on this road before we can really plan that far past June. I had um, uh, breakfast with, uh, with Jamie before he left. Jamie's uh, not here tonight. He's actually in somewhere in the Caribbean. He's on a cruise. Um, so he's a well-deserved break for him and his family. Um, but we talked about all of these, the, the duties, and uh, he is excited, and I'm excited. And beyond uh, June, um, we talked about what the summer's gonna look like, how can the elders help you, um, I mentioned to the elders yesterday, I told uh, Jamie that if you want the elders up here preaching, I said, put my name down first and I'll talk to the elders and, and you might see us up here um, on a Sunday morning. Um, so we've got plans. Um, what's the next slide? Maybe move to the next slide. Okay, the pastoral search committee. Um, I might ask Tom to come up and talk about this. This is uh, the, uh, the Constitution pretty much tells us how we're going to go about uh, searching for a new pastor. And uh, Tom's our Constitution elder guy. So I'll get Tom to kind of uh, expound on that a little bit. Thanks, Tom. I don't think I want that title, thanks very much. Uh, Rob and I and others spent a lot of time uh, in uh, reworking our constitution and our bylaws, as many of you know, back a number of years ago. But our constitution is uh, very clear in terms of uh, what it lays out, um, in terms of how we go about finding, searching for, and calling a lead pastor. Um, so whenever a vacancy uh, for a lead pastor occurs, then a pastoral search committee needs to be appointed by the Board of Elders. The uh, composition of a pastoral search committee is uh, anywhere from six to eight members, 
and it is equally represented by the elders, uh, so a number of elders appointed by the board, and then members of the church who are not elders. Not only can they not be elders, they cannot be spouses of elders, or staff members, or spouses of staff members. So these are, are members of the church that are really not connected to leadership in any way. Uh, these members are also appointed by the elders. And then, uh, of course, the chair of the board, and this year that is Rob, uh, is appointed as uh, an ex officio member without any voting rights. So the pastor, pastoral search committee then comes together and it needs to elect a chair amongst themselves, somebody to lead that team, and it needs to elect a secretary as well in order to uh, keep notes of their meetings. The duties of the pastoral search committee um, are, are laid out as well at a, very, at a high level. The search committee needs to be responsible to uh, recommend to the Board of Elders the calling of a pastor, uh, having first taken the steps to determine and consider the best interest of the church as a whole. Um, so, you know, in, in a, in a kind of high-level way, they would come together, they'd talk about what it is that we'd be looking for, um, and, and then they would pull together some names. Uh, of, of, of men that they would want to uh, look into um, look into it more uh, deeper level. Um, there's a number of things in the Constitution that talk about the term, how long the, the uh, pastoral search committee would remain in effect, and it's, it's in effect until uh, the board determines that its useful purpose has ended, and that's generally when we call uh, and approve, the membership approves the lead pastor. Um, it comes to the recommendation. So when the pastoral search committee is prepared to make a recommendation, that recommendation first comes to the Board of Elders for approval. And if the board approves, then uh, it is, the recommendation is brought before the members uh, with at least uh, three weeks um, notice so that we can have voting on that recommendation. And, and then there's the whole uh, how we vote uh, to call the pastor, and we need uh, approval of four-fifths of the members casting their vote uh, to be positive in order to, to call a man. And, and I would suspect there are men who would want a higher uh, level than even 80% uh, in order to come. So that's kind of what our Constitution lays out, and that's really what we are, uh, in terms of next steps, uh, seeking to do is to form a pastoral search committee. So, so as Tom said, the, um, the elders appoint uh, a search committee, but we want the congregation to help us in that process. Um, we want you to be part of this process. The elders, we're, we're just nine men, um, but we are a family. So we, we're gonna want engagement. Um, uh, we're committed to communicating with you. Um, what we'd like to do is uh, ask you for recommendations for who you think should comprise the, uh, the search committee. Um, they do have to be members, so that's, that is, uh, other than that, if they're a member, then they're eligible. Um, but you wanna think uh, about the, the type of person that should be on the search committee. They need to have discernment, they need to have wisdom, they need, they need to, uh, you know, just be able to spec, uh, recognize uh, godly character. 
Um, maybe we could go to the next. There we go. Um, so I was wondering how can how can you recommend somebody and email I think is probably the best. I mean you could talk to me, but I'd have to have a pen and paper to write write these down. Um, there, that is my email address. If uh, we'll put it in the bulletin for uh, next week as well. Um, the timeline that we're looking for is short. Um, we're looking at a window of about two weeks, maybe not even. The elders are meeting on the 17th, and um, I don't know what kind of response I'm going to get. I hope I get a great response. We're, I hope that I get, you know, dozens of names. Um, but the elders are going to look through those names, uh, and we are going to, uh, we want a cross-section of West Highland. We want to, um, male, female, old, young, we want the whole demographic uh, represented. We are limited to, um, you know, only eight people on this search committee, and as Tom said, that uh, four of those have to be elders or elder council, so uh, the other half will be um, membership. Um, it's no small task if you're signing up for the search committee. Uh, Durrett will share that it is a commitment. Um, uh, I've never served on a search committee, and this will be my first, um, because as the chair of the elders, I, I will be on the committee, but I don't even get uh, a vote. So, um, but that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be, to be part of it. So, um, and we don't know how long we're looking. Um, we honestly don't know. Um, it's going to be the search committee that uh, reports back to the elders. It could take six months. It could take a year. I hope it doesn't take three years. I, I pray that it doesn't take that long, but it's in God's timing and not ours. So, um, so I hope um, that email address is active. Uh, you could email me anytime, but uh, we're looking at the... Um, the 17th, that window would probably close, and the elders have to make a decision by then. The, the other engagement that we want from you, we're going to communicate lots. Um, we've got a QBM coming up in March, but prior to that, um, we want more times of corporate prayer. Um, we need to be seeking the Lord during this time of transition. Um, and I just talked to Judy, and she gave me the green light that um, March the 4th, we can have the fellowship hall. It's a Saturday. I'm thinking a Saturday morning. I would love to see as many uh, of you come just for the purpose of prayer, uh, to pray for the search committee as they get started. By then, I'm hoping that we will have um, the names and we will have a committee. Um, the reason the timelines are short is you're going to give us names. We're going to have to look at the names. And then we're going to have to approach the people. And um, we don't know if everyone's going to say yes. <laughs> so, um, so we have to kind of give ourselves time. But March the 4th, if you want to, that will be in the bulletin as well. But uh, that will be the first of many. Well, tonight will be the first of many uh, times where we will get together in prayer for this process and for God's leading and for, for God's um, man to, uh, um, to come as, as lead pastor. So, um, maybe the next slide. Oh, Durrett, can I ask you to come up and share? Thanks, Rob. Um, 
I'm going to switch hats just for a minute. I got permission to do this from Rob. Uh, last time I spoke to you, I spoke as a deacon of sponsorship, and I wanted you to know, that, just to give you a bit of an update, uh, when I last spoke to you, I talked about Sush Hassan, who, along with her family, we had sponsored, and that was uh, just under four years ago. She has two teenage children who were left behind, and for the last two years, we've been trying to get them here. But I've just recently got word that those children are arriving on Wednesday. So, I know that there's a life group and there are a number of people who've made this their prayer mission, so I want to thank you for your prayers and for your concern. Okay, back on topic. So I've been asked to, to speak about this search committee, of which I was a part, and as Rob mentioned, I served on the search committee for Pastor Derek, as well as the one for Pastor John, and I'm telling you, I've done my time, I'm done. <laughs> Just for the record. So, um, it, it really is a deep honor to serve in this position. I think you will readily understand that, but it also comes with some weight along with that. And I had three, re three reasons I could think of why I felt the weight. First, sometimes you're talking to a pastor who has no intentions of leaving his church, and the first time you talk to him is the first time you're putting that in his head. So that could change his relationship with his pastorate. So you have to be very considerate about that. The second is that it often involves um, a relocation of the family, you know, a spouse, children. And so, again, you want to be considerate, considerate of that. And for myself, I felt that I had to be part of this settling of them just to make sure that everything went smoothly. It's kind of like, you know, soothing my conscience <laughs> about what I did. Um, the third reason is that you have the opportunity to impact the life and history of the church on mission, and that weighs heavily on you. So, having said that out, let me talk about getting on task. It takes a few meetings before the committee gels, before they come to agreement um, or common understanding on A, the criteria or qualifications that you're looking for in the pastor, and what the process is going to be. And in our case, and I'm speaking specifically about the search for Pastor John, because the other one is too far back in my memory, um, the fellowship office was very helpful with us. And um, they have a good sense of what's happening across the country. And they would tell us which pastors are ready for a move, which pastors may be open for a move, and which pastors are just not going to be moving from their perspective. And so we take that into consideration, and they will give us names, and, and then we would follow through on those names. We also consulted with um, other denominations with which we have you know, an alignment. So uh, that's basically how we get about the task. So let me talk about some of the things that influenced the um, criteria that we were looking for in this past search. We wanted someone who would preach the full counsel of God fully. They would preach it unapologetically. And we wanted that because this is who we are as a church. This is the foundation of this church. So that was very, very important to us. 
missions were also the heartbeat of this church. So we wanted someone who had an engagement, a personal engagement with missions, or had a heart for missions. We also thought about preaching style, and this is kind of a, a funny one. We had just come through a pastor who would walk up and down this um, platform. He would come down the steps, he would walk up and down the front, he would sometimes get down the aisle. Then he would walk backwards up the stairs, and many times we were saying, you're gonna trip, you're gonna trip. And, but he was a moving target, and you had to keep your eyes on him. You couldn't fall asleep, because <laughs> you couldn't. And the other reason for that was he would call your name. He would say, and direct the word of God says, and you, you know, you're startled. So that's what we had, and no, we're not, we were not looking for a pastor who was a roamer. We were looking for one who would stand before us. <laughs> would stand before us, but we didn't want someone who's going to be reading from a script. That's basically what that taught us. The other thing was that um, the church was full. We knew that we had to push the boundaries out. Uh, we knew that that was our vision. We had to do building. And Pastor Derek clearly told us that one of the reasons he was leaving was because he did not feel led. He did not feel equipped to lead the church through a building program. So we were looking for, for someone who could do that as well. And we, we also were looking for someone who was given to prayer. So if I were to summarize that, I would say that 15 plus years ago, we were looking for a seasoned pastor of a large church who was in a multi-staff situation and who was open to a challenge of helping a larger church with his greater vision. That's how I could put it in a nutshell. So one of the most important things we did, I thought, was that we engaged the congregation in a meaningful way. We did not assume that we knew it all. We did not feel that we were the appointed ones and that God would only speak through us. We believed that God could speak through the congregation as well. And so we canvassed the conversation. They canvassed the congregation. We heard from them um, what they thought we should be looking for in the qualities of a pastor. We asked them for names of pastors, and we made sure that they were aware of the vision of the church and where we were headed, so they could be full participants in that process. And I'm proud to say that Pastor, Derek, Pastor John's name did not come from our consultation with the fellowship, it came from a congregation member. So you've got a responsibility here to help us to do that. And in fact, when we checked Pastor John's name with the, mission, with the fellowship office, they told us he was in that list of people who were not open to a change. <laughs> yeah. But God's will will be done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm saying that together, undergirded by prayer, and with God's help, I think we nailed it with the last um, search.
Let me close by saying that the interim is nothing to be feared. The church, this church did not stagnate, neither did it stand still during the interims. I look at both interim periods with fun memories. It was a refreshing time. It was a time of working together in a different way. It was a time of meeting new pastors who spent brief times with us and became adopted into the West Highland family even after they left. And when I was working on the 50th anniversary committee, I reached back to some of them to get their memories, and all of them spoke about the wonderful time they had being a part of this church. So West Highland, I'm leaving you with Acts 242-47. Let us continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. So we were, we were so blessed with Pastor Derek, um, we were so blessed with Pastor John, and we will be blessed again. I just, I just know it. it's an exciting time. Um, Pastor John, we are going to miss you so much. It's not June yet, but um, and we're not saying goodbye just yet, but um, it is exciting to think of what God could have in store for this church. Um, so... We, we do have some other, there have been other changes, um, obviously. So Pastor uh, Lee has left, but Pastor Lee, in leaving, he left a team that he developed and leaders that, uh, that grew under Pastor Lee's leadership. And I think our worship um, on Sunday morning is just excellent. We've got Lisa doing the worship coordinator role and she's doing a fantastic job with that, and so thankful for that. I think all the plans are in place. I think we've got that at least until June, maybe even the summer. Um, I haven't got an update on that. Um, but administrative, uh, administratively, um, we, do, we have a great team in place right now. Um, there are some people that are gonna be picking up some, some extra uh, roles and uh, responsibilities. Um, I talked to Ed, the, all the financial stuff, uh, Ed is uh, on top of, as he always is. Um, so we're in good, good hands there. But we will be looking for uh, probably an interim uh, for that position as well, just some administrative uh, leadership in the office itself. Um, don't have any names, don't have any interim uh, just yet, but we are looking. And again, uh, if you've if you've got the skills and you want to uh, talk to one of the elders, um, be happy to hear from you. Um, that'll take us, I think, to the question and answer period. So um, I'm going to ask Tom and, and Kevin to to come up as well. Uh, Tom is our secretary, and Kevin's the, the vice chair. Just because it's a little daunting being up here by myself with, uh, you know never knowing what kind of questions we're going to get. I, I would just ask that we, um, we kind of focus our questions like on the transition period itself. Um, I mean, we, we've got uh, a lot of elders. Actually, if you're an elder, can you just stand? I want people to see who you are. Um, I know you're out there. So there's, there's us up here. Cheeto, I think, is in, I don't know if he's in the Philippines or if he's in, um, I don't know where he is, but anyway. Cheeto's an elder as well. Um, but if you've got questions other than the transition, like if you want to know what's happening with that big pothole in the uh, uh, parking lot, 
You can talk to one of the other elders after the meeting. I don't, I don't want to take the meeting time to be talking about things like that. Um, so let's just focus this time right now on uh, sort of the transition period and, and, and what's happening with that. Uh, and we're happy. You guys can sit down now. <laughs> um, so I think we've got our, our microphone. Um, if, if you want to ask questions, um, If there are no questions, I will be floored. <laughs> I think we've got one over here. I saw someone wave, or were they just waving at me? I don't know. There we go. <laughs> That's my daughter saying Oh, okay. <laughs> she, thought, she thought maybe I was in the parking lot. No, I couldn't find a seat. I was at the back. <laughs> couldn't see with the mask. That's funny. Thank you. Um, it's good to hear that the process of finding a pastor, in a way, was informed through the uh, Fellowship of Evangelical Baptists. So uh, I have two questions along that line. First, would that remain, or would that be a strong criterion in our pending search? Uh, the second one is, to what extent would be the theological orientation of the candidate be a factor. I, I am forever grateful to the pastor. I came here on the dispensational alignment or orientation. But ever since that momentous time when he opened the church with the celebration of the Reformation, absolutely revolutionized hmm. my, my, my leaning and my, my beliefs and my orientation. And I thank you, Pastor. Um, so I don't know, would that be a factor? Would that be an orientation? Would that be a, um, a criterion? Okay. Thank you. Okay, so, so your first question, will we, we be limiting our search to just those w that are already within the fellowship? Uh, I'm not sure I understand the question then. I thought, I thought the question... Will West Highland be staying in the fellowship? Absolutely, yeah. Um, th there will be no change there, I promise. Um, not under my watch. Um, so I, I misunderstood the, the, the question. But, um, and, and your second question, as far as the theological um, uh, background, um, the bare minimum is, is our statement of faith, right? Everything will, will be... That will be, um, you know, 100%. They would have to be 100% in agreement with that. Um, and then if there's some, some other matters, um, I, I think we'd have to address those at the time. I, I, can't, um, I, I can't say it because I don't know the, the, the candidate and, and what exactly um, would, would be the rub point on, on, on that. Um, if you look at our statement of faith, it's quite clear. That is non-negotiable. Um, as far as other things, um, well, the search committee will have to discern as well and, and then bring it to the elders, but um, I know that doesn't totally answer your question right now, but if you look at our statement of faith, I think those, uh, um, 
like I said, that's the bare minimum, um, non-negotiable. Unless you guys have more to say on that. I think Kevin does. Yeah, I think uh, just uh, one thing to add with respect to that is, uh, as we talked about earlier, how important the search committee is going to be uh, for that, because I think they're going to be able to discern some of that uh, information as well, too, and we expect them to as well, too, with respect to that uh, pastor's, uh, you know, theological beliefs, et cetera. So, um, but... It just shows you again how important that search committee is going to be for searching for that lead pastor. Yes, I'd like to know if uh, Pastor John will have a little list of people that he might like to uh, take his place, not to mention any names. If, if he does, um, I think wisely he's been keeping that close to his chest. I, I mean, um, I, I, Pastor John is wise in that he, he's, he says he's going to preach until June and then he's going to step away for a while. And, and it really, it is going to be the search committee. Um, there, there might be people um, that people are already thinking about. And, and everyone is going to be, God will bring the right person to us and it will become clear. I'm, I have no doubt of that. Um, so there, there are no favorites right now. I can say that much. Um, we are gonna let the search committee do their job. And again, that stresses why the search committee is um, so important and the composition of the search committee. So, yeah. I got it, Bruce, I got it. The action. The I got the quiet side. <laughs> How many levels of approval would the candidate have to go through before they come in as a guest pastor? Okay. Um, so after the interview process and however the, the search committee decides to do that, it's, it's going to be a lot different now than when, when Durrett did it years ago because we have the benefit of, of watching sermons online. You could see someone's entire you know, uh, history as a pastor online. You could look at all of their, all of their sermons. So the search committee will, um, uh, will, will zero in on, on one person. Um, they will look at many, but they will zero in on one. They will bring that before the elders. The elders, I think, um, the elders will uh, do the same level of uh, scrutiny, you know, over the person. Um, and then once the elders agree, and I, I would like that to be unanimous, I, I wouldn't want you know, only a majority, uh, and then we would bring it before the congregation. So I guess there's, there's three levels, but there's the search committee itself is eight people, so I would consider that almost eight levels. It, it should be. The Constitution does say that they won't recommend uh, someone unless the search committee is unanimous, except I think it does say one dissenting vote. Not even sure why it says that, but uh, it should be unanimous amongst the search committee. Maybe the other important thing to note as we talk about that is that we would only be entertaining one candidate at a time. So we would not be um, 
looking at a, a, a huge slate and presenting that. It's one candidate at a time. Sorry, you got to me first. Uh, so just in terms of the process, I didn't, I, I'm not sure I heard correctly. Do we um, only allow folks to be nominated to sit on the committee or can they self-nominate as well? Okay, so they're not nominations. I, I just, I kind of want to make that distinction. A nominations kind of implies an election and we can't have an election for, for the search committee. Um, that's why I want there to be recommendations. And if you want to recommend yourself, I then, yeah, I, we could certainly do that for sure. Bruce, behind you. I don't like mics. I don't like to hear myself. But uh, uh, who will be the in, the 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 in, interim pastor until we find a, a, a pastor, mainly who's going to speak? Okay, so our plan until June is Pastor John will retain the lead pastor role. He will continue to preach as he always has. And uh, some of his responsibilities with regards to um, the, the ministry team and the leadership in that role are going to go to Jamie, Pastor Jamie Strickland. And after that, then we'll, we'll communicate as the plan evolves. We don't know now. Our search committee isn't even formed yet, so. Rob, I was just going to suggest that if someone's making a recommendation for the search committee, that they should check with the person first to make sure they're in agreement. <laughs> I like that. I, I didn't, that never even crossed my mind, Durrett, but that is great. That's a, that's a level, that's a vetting process, and I, I really like that idea. So then when the names come to us, at least it won't be uh, out of the blue for the person themselves. That is fantastic, thank you. And I think we all heard that Dorette has done her time on search committees. <laughs> so don't bother asking Dorette. And I kind of, when I talked to her the other night, I kind of asked a little bit and yeah, got the same answer, so. Hello there. What level of involvement of the existing pastoral leadership will they have in sort of looking over some of the candidates from the search committee? I'm, I'm gonna say um, not a lot, not a lot of direct involvement. We might mention, uh, <laughs> um, I haven't given that much thought. As, as a search committee is looking, I think Pastor John would almost be wise to, to not uh, get involved. Um, Pastor John, I don't know <laughs> if, if I'm speaking for you or not, but uh, um, he, he wants to stay certainly at, at arm's length from the whole process. We don't want uh, you know, to show favoritism you know, as far as the search committee, we want the search committee to do their job. So. Rob, I'm here again. <laughs> I would say definitely no. Um, that's how we practice in the past, and I think that's the fairest way to do it, that the search committee does its work, makes a recommendation to the board, 
once you get, it gets to the point where, where you have um, consensus, then uh, at a later stage, then the staff can be involved mm. more in terms of introduction and any fine points, but certainly not at the point of considering whether or not a recommended candidate is a suitable one. Yeah, okay, thank you. Yeah, so it's, I guess it's just wisdom would dictate that the search committee, that is their, um, their duty, that's their responsibility, and um, we have to let them do their job. So, Paul Garricks. Just to add on to what Durrett said, um, as a fellow member of the last pastoral search committee, and as the guy who called this guy the first phone call, um, <clears throat> I think what you find in a pastoral search is it is a long and convoluted, not convoluted in a bad way, but there are many steps to it. There are many discussions. There are many decisions. You're having extremely confidential conversations with people about the potential of leaving a church. Like if I'm not naive to think over the last 15 years, and John has not said anything to me, that somebody didn't tap him on the shoulder and say, why don't you come our way? Well, if a congregation gets wind of that, we can, to Durrett's earlier point, we can, we can really upset the apple cart in another church, and we want to respect that, and we don't want to get ahead of God. And so I think taking a very measured and careful and call it systematic way of doing it, let the search committee do their job, and at the right time, the right people get informed. Um, I, I couldn't share the details with you. I remember some of them, but uh, we had a three-year journey where we talked to many, many people. Over those three years, we looked at over 110 resumes. Over that three years, we probably talked to a couple dozen people. We got serious with a single-digit number of them. I can't remember exactly. And there's lots of conversations and lots of discussions, and you want to bring... Uh, when you get to that point, to bring the staff in, you've got to be pretty sure. So you've got to let the process play out. It, one thing we don't want to do, and I would caution against, is, uh, and we felt it, we felt the weight of it as a search committee last time, is to be a church wrecker at some other church. We didn't want to do that either. So you've got to be careful. I'm, I'm so thankful for people like Durrett and Paul that have been down this road um, because there's, there's lessons learned and there's, there's wisdom there that, uh, that will be invaluable in this process. So we'll be talking more, Paul and Durrett, for sure. How much of a time commitment is it for these people that get on the committee? I asked the same question, I don't know if it was Paul that I talked to or, or maybe it was Durrett or maybe Joel, Joel Ferrero was on the, the search committee as well. Um, it, is, it is a fairly significant uh, commitment. I, I think um, it was, they talked about weekly meetings at first um, and then the closer they got, um, it was you know, maybe a couple meetings uh, per week uh, depending on where they were with the candidate process. So. Um, there's also, there's also a quiet period as well. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of action, a lot of you know, uh, feelers going out at first, and then maybe there are some names and they're zeroing in on some names. So then you know, it would appear like the search committee is kind of a little quieter for, for a little while, but they're, they're doing their job. They're, they're, they're vetting the, the, the candidates. So um, I, I can't say, you know, it's, it's gonna be, uh, 
um, every single week, uh, meeting every week, but I think um, if you're uh, considered for, for a candidate on the search committee, uh, you are signing up for a, um, a time commitment, to be sure. Hi. <laughs> I was on the last pastoral search committee, and I was, um, it was a privilege. So if you get asked to do it, um, really consider it. And um, it's really, um, it's such a privilege. Um, and it is a weekly commitment. We, we were very consistent. Um, every week we met at one of our homes, um, and it, prayer was a huge thing. We prayed more than we did anything else. Mm. Um, it was really kind of neat because we did, we did panel, like we got um, recommendations from the congregation, and it was really cool because um, one particular, we all divided up our um, groups of people, and the one person that I got to look at was Pastor John. <laughs> so that was really cool. I did to, got to do all the research and went to his church and introduced myself. So it was really cool. If you get an opportunity, just really consider it. It's really cool. <laughs> Thanks, Heather. I'm looking forward to it. Um, as we saw, I, the, the chair of the elders board is a ex-officio member of, of the search committee, and uh, I'm not looking at it as a burden. I am looking at it as, as a privilege. And, uh, um, and even, even now, I mean, technology meetings happen on, on Zoom, so that, that's an option too. So. Yeah, just to confirm if I understood correctly, Pastor John. So uh, it would be lead pastor first and only after he's chosen. Uh, then it would be worship leader, pastor, worship pastor, and uh, executive pastor. That's the plan right now. Um, and I think there's wisdom in a lead pastor coming and, and building a team. Um, I think uh, we've got some plans in place and we've, we've got uh, a lot of people here with a lot of gifts and a lot of talents that can um, stand in the gap in between. So that's our plan, yeah. Uh, yeah, here. Uh, as members, when recommending a potential lead pastor, should we consider a certain experience in the position or can we recommend, for example, pastor with little experience? So, so the question is, what kind of experience level are we looking at for, for the pastor? Um, I, I know that pastors grow in their role. Uh, a young pastor has a lot of potential. Um, but is a young pastor proven in leadership? I, I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't necessarily answer those questions. I, I don't know if we would disqualify uh, a, a young pastor just because they're young. I think the search committee, that's where the discernment is, is gonna take place. Um, but West Highland is, uh, is a large church and it would take a, a strong leader. So um, I don't think that's limited by age necessarily. Does that answer your question? I, I think the search committee, it will become clear as, as the search continues. I have a question. Um, 
I don't know how much of data do you have, because you said the last pastor, pastoral search took three years. I'm assuming it's not going to take three years as such, but how are we addressing the turnover then? A lot of people, especially post-pandemic, came to the church listening to Pastor John messages online. Mm-hmm. How are we going to address people who are going to leave the church or potentially thinking about leaving the church now? I'm sorry, uh, Jim. I'm not exactly sure I'm understanding your, your question. Are, 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 you, are you concerned that people are going to leave West Highland in, in yeah. the interim? Yes, exactly. So having been here um, after Pastor Derek left, and uh, we were fairly new, my family had just arrived, <laughs> and it seems like Pastor Derek left fairly short after, it, it was still, the West Highland still grew during that time. It was amazing. Um, we bought the land uh, during that time, and um, there was many, many things that happened. I, I'm not looking that, at this as a negative. Um, I think any time uh, there's, there's a change in leadership, there's, there's some people that will leave, but people are coming. And as long as God's word is spoken here at West Highland, I believe the people will come and the people will stay. That, that's my belief. So the reason I ask this question is, uh, because you said if it takes three years, for example, it takes three years, we're asking the elders to preach every Sunday. So I'm not saying the elders wouldn't do a good job, but, but. So, yeah, and, and it's not the elders. I didn't, I didn't promise Jamie the elders would be preaching every Sunday. I kind of, I, I, I kind of limited it to uh, maybe a communion service and doing a devotional or something now and then. Um, but he, he certainly understood that. But, um, I mean, we still have uh, Pastor Jamie. We still have Pastor Chris. Uh, we've got Ken. I, I mean, we've, we've, got, um, we've still got preaching pastors, and I, I believe. And after uh, the summer, uh, possibly an, another, an interim pastor. Uh, we don't know. And I, I don't know if we can answer those questions um, before the search even begins. So... Uh, it's, we're, we're looking at the, the whole process. We don't know where God's gonna take us. It, like I said, it's my prayer that it's not gonna take three years, but it is the Lord's timing, so. Um, I have a question over here. Um, Pastor John mentioned GC 2030, which I'm assuming the elders are familiar with. Are the elders then giving some direction to the search committee in terms of what you're looking to achieve in the coming years at West Island? Well, there certainly will be um, communication between the elders and, and, and the very fact that we've got elders on the search committee, I think, and that's probably by design. That's why the Constitution has designed it that way um, because the elders are very familiar with uh, GC 2030. Um, so the search committee and, uh, you know, what, when we look for candidates, that will certainly be brought before them, if, if we get to that point with, with the individual, they, they definitely want to uh, know what the vision is for the church, and um, they might come in and um, modify that vision a little bit, maybe refine it, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of questions. 
Um, given the amount of time that it took previously, and we have two position, two other positions open, is there an amount of time that might pass that you might consider actually filling those positions, or are we strictly waiting for the lead? Oh boy, I don't know if I can answer that one either. I, I feel like I'm not. Um, let me out here, guys. <laughs> I'm not exactly I, sure. I, I would say ideally, we would wait for a lead pastor to come and build the team. Um, however, in an extended search, if a person came to our view, um, I don't think we would necessarily uh, turn a blind eye to it. Um, but I think we would want to try to hold up to our ideal if we could. Rob, I had a quick, quick question in regards, actually more of a a, a point whether the pastoral search committee might be able to, or direct might be able to address. Um, I know now that because a lot of services are online, um, the pastoral search committee has that option to be able to see a pastor preach, um, but in the event that they, they don't have an online broadcast and they have to attend, what typically, just so that people will be aware, what, what does that look like as far as, like, I mean, you've got eight people. You can imagine if all of a sudden eight people came in and filled a pew in here, and all of a sudden we're going, oh, where are you guys from? And all of a sudden somebody says, oh, West Highland. And you're going, oh, what are you guys here for, you know, type of thing. So how, just, just to give us a bit of insight as to how that actually transpires, just so that it doesn't scare people off or whatever. Thanks for the question, Bruce. Bruce. We have, you have to be discreet. And uh, sometimes we, we have to uh, divide ourselves up so that it's not obvious when we go to a church. I remember walking into Morningstar, I think. It was Aline and I as a couple that went in together. So you do what you have to do. <laughs> so. But yes, it's, it's a good question. You have to be discreet. I mean, my mother with, was with us at the time, and she's from the Brethren Church in Jamaica, and she went with us, and there was a couple from Harborview Gospel Chapel in Jamaica who knew her and said, what are you doing here? <laughs> I have seen it here as, uh, as a member. You know, we turn around on a Sunday morning and we see a couple that that we knew from a previous church and we say what brings you to West Highland and they stumbled over their words and then they, they got out of there pretty quickly after that like we found them out but uh, that, I think that was with Pastor Derek they were scoping out Pastor Derek so mention has been made of the uh, period of time between pastors uh, I happen to be privileged to be on the board when Lambert left and when Derek left and it was three years in each case. Mm. It seems a long time. We should not be fearful of it because look at the quality of pastors we got waiting those three years. Mm. Also, look at the quality of the interns we had, men like Bob Holmes, our brother that passed away, mm -hmm. uh, that played the trombone. Um, Jim Reese. Jim Reese. Yeah. Uh, we were blessed with Mel Cuthbert's ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, we never lose waiting for God's man. Amen. Thank you for that. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, we heard about the, uh, the new uh, Vision Plan 2030, the Great Commission. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that, uh, that we don't know uh, the, the, what that entails. Uh, what I'm trying to say is uh, if, if, we, if we have a search committee, uh, maybe even before they want to go on a search committee, they want to know like which direction are we going. Is it wise actually to have a vision statement before we have a lead pastor? Um, so I'm a bit concerned about that because it seems to be a restriction and uh, a variable that may actually cause some disagreement uh, among the search committee. Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, you, you bring up a good point. I mean, I, that's why I said, I mean, a new pastor might come in and he might refine that, but I, I don't think he would tear it up and, and throw it in the garbage. I mean, the, the GC 2030 is all about community and discipleship and we, that's what the church's mission is, uh, is making disciples, I, I believe. So, um, I, I, to, to your point, I, I, I don't think that GC 2030 will limit us. Um, but uh, again, we don't know which individual we're talking about and, and, and how that's gonna play out. So, we could talk more after, Izzy, or. Thanks, Isa, for raising that because I, I wanted to bring that up as well because I'm really big on congregational involvement and um, it, it's okay for the search committee to be exposed to this and have some idea where we're going, but I would like to see congregational involvement and unless we know where we're going, I don't think we can effectively help this process. Yeah, just, just to give an example, because it maybe it's a little bit abstract, uh, the way I phrased the question, but one of the things in the Great Commission could be like, to what extent do we want to centralize? I, I think in the, in the previous uh, years, we've been really kind of looking at the, at the centralizing the church, like having a bigger building, having a big pastoral care. And at, at the same time, and I've raised this issue before, at the same time, you look at Westside Church close to where we live, which has left the, the Baptist denomination and, and kind of deconstructed in their preaching, if I may be so bold to say that. And, and also that Stanley Avenue Street is no longer, you know, in our federation. And uh, so that could be an aspect that said, if we are looking at Greek Commission, like, um, you know, is, is there some alignment or flexibility or, is, or, or are we going to get into, like, no, we got to work on... I, either decentralizing some of our work. And I, I know from some people that in, in, the, uh, in the past, they had been thinking about church planting in various areas to expand the, the, the mission and the work of West Highland. So that's why I think it's an important issue because when we get on the search committee, uh, or we have the, when we get to the search committee, there could be disagreement on these issues and if there's only room for one dissenting vote, it could really kind of make the process very difficult. Mm. So I, I think there has to be some clarity on it. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're not going to... Flexibility will, will be there. I don't think... Um, I, I'm not sure about what you talk... Decentralizing. We've never ruled out church planting. Um, but I, I totally agree with Dorette. I, I, we, we want congregational involvement. Um, that's why I had all the elders stand. I, 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 we want you to talk to us. We, we want to hear from you. Um, that's why we're getting you involved in recommendations for the, um, for the search committee itself. So, 
Yeah. I think we got a question here. Oh. I just might want to add something here. It might be also important to note that GC 2030 is still somewhat a work in progress. The elders spent uh, time in November at our retreat going through that document. We took a number of um, resolutions, uh, things that we need to do further study and work on. Um, so that document is not uh, what I would call a locked and loaded document. It certainly is a good framework, um, but it's, uh, it's not a final piece of work at this point, which is, I say that just to say that's why it really hasn't been shared broadly uh, with the membership. Just a couple comments. I work with the fellowship and my job is to help churches find pastors and I'm also a member here, so uh, I have a, certainly an interest in helping here. I help all our churches, but more of an interest where members, Carol and I. Mm. And uh, we encourage churches regarding vision to have a balance between how clear it is and how broad it is, because if it's uh, too clear, you can't find a pastor to fit it because it's all nailed down. If it's too broad, then you might find anybody that might not actually align with the church. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing is you've got enough broad strokes that it gives the right balance of direction. So I affirm what you've shared tonight. And, uh, and yes, of course, I'll help however I can. I help all our churches across the fellowship, but I'll certainly help however I can. And when I send names, based on what I've heard, uh, I think I'm going to look for the best pastor who is the least available and send that name first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, God bless you. Thanks. Thanks, Tim. Actually, I've got a to-do list. I've, it's really long, and it's, you're on it. I have to talk to you. So. Okay. So um, at the last business meeting, I had um, kind of brought up a good suggestion, and I brought it up to Pastor John, and um, one of the things I had recommended was maybe doing an opportunity scan. I was wondering if maybe that would be a good opportunity, like, even now, or maybe once a new minister comes, just to kind of see, like, how we want the ministries here at West Highland as well, too. I didn't quite catch that. An opportunity? An opportunity scan. So, like, questionnaire survey sent out to the congregants. Oh. Um, how we see what we want West Highland to look like, too. Yeah, so I know that was part of the last pastoral uh, search committee. What they did was they, they surveyed the congregation and uh, what are the qualities that you are looking for in, uh, in a lead pastor. Um, so I'm not going to rule that out. I, uh, when I talked with, uh, with Paul Garrix, he said that after they were done, the search committee, he, he compiled a binder of lessons learned, like a three years worth of search committee activities. And um, my job is to find that binder and, and find out what's in it and, and how, that, how that process went, um, because that's lessons learned from the past. I'm so thankful that we've got many of the members uh, uh, here with us to, uh, to help us go through that. But, um, a survey, I'm not going to rule that out. I think that's a great idea. And we do want congregational involvement, and that's, that's, why, uh, that's why we want uh, the, the, the prayer meeting on, on March the 4th. We, we want to get together. We want to communicate. We want engagement. Um, we want you involved. It's not just the search committee and the elders doing this process. It's the entire church. So, um, yeah. 
Um, with there being three rather major positions open at this time, or it will be in July, um, is there a plan in place to prevent burnout with the existing staff? We just don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally understand that, and we are uh, certainly aware of that, and that's why I, I had, um, Jamie and I had lunch the other day as I'm concerned about, about him, and I, I wanted to know how he feels with this, how his family feels about this, and, and that's why I offered up the elders. I said, use us up here at the pulpit. Um, we'll do our best. We've done it before, actually. We've, um, we, we've done the communion services in uh, um, a number of years ago. Um, so I, I, we, we want to keep an eye on that, and we will keep an eye on that. You have our, our word on that, for sure. I don't, I don't really have any questions, but I, I do feel that I would like to, I don't know, speak on behalf of the church and say that we're so thankful for you guys and the leadership that you're providing tonight. I know that this is not easy for you guys, and I know that it wasn't an easy decision for Pastor John to, to leave when, right now. Mm -hmm. And as a matter of fact, the decisions that have been made by Pastor Lee and Chris. Mm -hmm. And I just wanna say as a member of West Highland that I for one, I'm here. This is my family, and when things get hard, we come together. And I, God is not surprised by any of this. Maybe we are, or maybe we're not, but God isn't. And, and he has plans. He has plans. And Pastor John, yes, he foreshadowed what's going to happen, that we follow Christ, right? We don't follow a pastor. We don't follow an elders team. We don't even follow each other. We follow Christ, and, and we are here to do that. And maybe I'm pie in the sky. I know that, but I, I have faith, and faith comes when things are hard, right? That's when God develops us and our, develops our character when things are challenging. And so I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you guys are doing. And, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So, and thank you to Pastor John for his leadership. Honestly, I know, like, our family will, will miss him, but, but we're here. We're at West Highland. So, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we have been blessed, there's, there's no doubt, 50 years this church has been blessed and um, we will continue to be blessed. God knows, we'll trust. I think Leonard's got another question. Getting, getting, getting back to that uh, lady who, who was talking about Pastor Burnout, there is, uh, there is such a thing, and it, it, it is in, in this church, the pastor is looked after a, a pastor himself. It's like a, uh, uh, it's a pastor su support pro pro program, I believe. At least, at least I, I read that in here. So, folks, even the pastor is even uh, uh, cared, cared, cared for by, by, by like a, a pastor of his own flock. Thanks, Leonard. So I do, I do want time for prayer. Um, I think we could probably leave it there. There will be more opportunities. We're going to have more family meetings, town halls, um, to talk more about this. Thank you, everyone, for your questions. And um, we do have some prayer points. What we're going to do, I think, maybe is just gather in groups, whoever you're close to, 
Um, but these, these are some of the bullet points. I mean, there's, there's certainly, it's not an exhaustive list. I think Pastor John might take in your agenda item. Okay. <laughs> Over to you. Thank you. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Ken to come. Ken, where are you? Um, in our ministry team meeting this past week, uh, we had a sharing time just about the future and, and uh, some of the concerns that have been expressed here tonight, just, you know, how is the Lord going to lead? And, and Ken, I had everyone in the team share just a number of thoughts uh, on scripture verses that have been meaningful to them in the past as, uh, as they have faced change. And uh, so I'm going to ask Ken just to share um, uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 33. I, th I think it's going to go up on the screen. So Ken, if you would come and share, and then we're going to use this as sort of a catalyst into a time of prayer, and I'll just give you a few uh, directives on that. Ken. When I was uh, just a teenager, uh, one Christmas, my mom put a little scripture plaque in my stocking. And at the time, I had no idea how significant that would become to me. And I don't know how many times I, I have run to this scripture to encourage my heart when I needed it. Comes from Deuteronomy. I'm not sure, is it coming, guys? Maybe not? Yeah, I don't think it's That's okay, I'll read it to you. Comes from the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, remember that Moses is addressing the nation of Israel for the very last time. He soon will be in glory. And so in the midst of all kinds of significant transitions that they were about to face, he shared these words with them. Listen to them. He said, there is no one like God who rides on the heavens to help you and on the clouds in his majesty. The eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. It's that second verse that was on this plaque. And so here Moses, remember the, the nation of Israel is about to enter the promised land without him. For the very first time he was gonna be gone. Joshua was about to take the helm, a new leader in many ways. And they were about to enter the promised land. And so no doubt, their hearts were probably feeling a little unsettled and a little unsure of what lay ahead of them. And so Moses points them to the word of God and points them to the eternal God. And he does so so that they would rest secure in who the living God is. And as this verse tells us, he tells them that God is unique and majestic in every way, and he is like no other. And he will rush from one end of heaven to the other, not only to help them, but to be their refuge when they need, when they need him the most. And his job would be, as he will be for us, as he will protect them, and he will uphold them with his everlasting arm, so that, arm, so that no harm comes to them, just as he had done in the past. And so bottom line, there was nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing to fear whatsoever. But they had every reason to move forward as they trusted in the eternal God who had their future. And that's true of us as a church family. Thanks, John. Thank you, Ken. What we're going to do now is you can see the prayer points that are up on the, the screen. 
And uh, I don't need to elaborate on them. I think they're broad in a general sense, and they can guide our prayer, our prayer time now. And what Pastor Ken has just shared with us from Deuteronomy 33 is a verse that we should be taking to the Lord in prayer now. So we would like to take no more than 10 minutes at this point and just have you break into smaller groups. Uh, couples can stay with each other if you like, if you want to form a broader group. I would say don't get into groups of six, seven, or eight. That's a bit too much. Um, you won't be able to turn all the chairs around to do, to, do, to do that. But if you would just take this next 10 minutes, and then you will start to hear some music. And when you hear the music, uh, that means the prayer time is coming to a close. And then we're going to have um, a final song, and then I will lead in a closing prayer. So if you would break into those groups now, let's go to prayer, let's ask God, let's commit our future into his hands, and let's see what God will actually do. Listen for the music, that's the time to wrap up. Let me conclude in prayer with the words of a, a great hymn of the church. Lead on, O King Eternal, we follow not with fears, for gladness breaks like morning, where'er your face appears. Your cross is lifted o'er us, we journey in its light. The crown awaits the conquest. Lead on, O God of might. Amen.